Welcome into Cool Dad's Basement. Mikey Krennic here with you once again on a Sunday, and, and we've established a new sort of Sunday tradition now, haven't we? Uh, last week, I read you the first two chapters of my, my book, Behold Now Behemoth. There was a lot of really good feedback. People seemed to enjoy it, so I, I figure, you know, if I'm going to spend most of the time on this podcast fooling around, singing, you know, mocking uh, pe- uh, people's long-held beliefs, uh, I figure I might as well one- once in a while throw in something people like. So here is Chapter 3 of Behold Now, Behemoth. The far too familiar creaks and moans of a lived-in home provided a compelling soundtrack for my amble up the steps into my bedroom as they had for all my thirty-some-odd-ish years. The only difference was a new instrument that had joined the company and was seeing its solo time increase with every session. The old man body. After a brief stop at the literal old hole in the wall, the hiding place emeritus for all illegal substances, though it was more an honorary title at this point, who was I hiding it from? And a final flourish, I descended into bed as the Philharmonic packed up their instruments. I've always found that folks who have nostalgia for their childhood homes, the sort that have to take a day when their parents finally sell, more often than not spent exactly 18 years inside those four wondrous walls. Think of it this way. A certain very large amusement resort in a certain moderately large southern state pipes smells into its various lands of fantasy, tomorrow, colonialism, and etc., so that each time you cross the threshold to the next dimension of wonder, your own senses betray your awareness of time and space. Your heart might be questioning just how much you truly love all of your children. Your head might be screaming about the financial ruin this vacation has already caused. But damn it, if the nose says deep jungles of the Amazon with a hint of pineapple, then Dr. Goddamn Livingston, I presume. It's a hell of a trick. And rest assured, it works. Perhaps you yourself have been a victim of this particularly vicious bit of gas nosing. But I can't help but think of those poor college interns in the oppressively hot period garb. Sure, we may go from smelling the crackling fires of the frontier to the cinnamon-tinged air of a magical monarchy, but the folks at ye old Christmas ornament shop slash blacksmith don't. They're fed a steady diet of the fires of the smithy and the collective odor of all nations, all creeds, all shapes, all sizes, united under an inhuman sun. Have to imagine it it dulls the magic. So while someone who packed up the room for freshman year of college and has yet to fully unpack anywhere else may fall for the yesterday land olfactory trap, I and my ilk have no such luck. Having had the unique opportunity to smell all of the smells 1963 Peace Rose Lane, Mishawaka, Indiana had to offer, I found my head tended to focus on the ones that were no longer smellable, as opposed to the ones that lingered. As the sole contributor to its nose economy, the magic of home would have needed to find other ways to infect my brain. Not that it could have, of course. I have seen, heard, touched, and tasted it all. Three out of five stars, 
can't complain about the rates, but it's a little empty these days. On this particular night in Chateau Homa Libre, one smell lingered quite strongly. I couldn't help but remember the various towel-stuffing, fan-blowing, and axe-spraying that I would do to hide the aroma of low-quality suburban Indiana marijuana. Hell, I'd still catch myself with a wash of paranoia before remembering the current occupancy rate. Well, physical occupants, at least. Still not sure about the existence of ghosts, but I have enough field evidence that suggests they indeed cannot yell at you for bringing grass into the home freely. Frankly, I think my parents should have endorsed and encouraged such a rigid drug regime. Despite what Cheech and that rascal Chong might have told you, marijuana has an uncanny ability to make you reflect on the things you aren't doing while you're getting high until you distract yourself, often by getting more high. After a seemingly innocuous final inhale lit the ever-so-faint pilot light of responsibility, I tuned to the last bastion of truth in our dying nation, cable news. I needed to strategize. I needed to know what it was I was up against, besides the cockeyed quixoticness of it all. And I knew no one more capable than four people working through their childhood bullying live and in color. My mind swelled with possibility. Just how many squares, filled with how many men who somehow look entirely different and alike all at once could one scream fit? Imagine my disappointment when I found it was merely one onion ring tower in a suit talking. Well, they saw the thing coming out of the sky, but with apologies to Sheb Woolley, it was the water. And there was no one horn, no one big eye, just a lot of teeth and even more attitude. Where did he come from? Where did he go? We'll ask Dr. C.I. Joseph, a researcher from the Daystrom Institute for Faith-Based Science, about what he thinks of those questions. Plus, we'll talk to former NFL star and current Democratic candidate for Congress, Bill Romanowski, about what to do next. The lockdowns and evacuations may save lives, but running scared sends a loud and clear signal to our enemies at home and abroad. Can we expect copycats? From the ARN News Desk, I'm Anthony Johnson, and you're in the Anthony Johnson Zone. Oh, darn. I hadn't yet renewed my passport, so while I was good to travel interstates, I decided attempting to cross over into a different plane of reality was far too risky. I idly flipped through whichever streaming service it was I had pledged fealty to for the week, and I began to notice that I was beginning to notice only the titles that seemed to be designed for me. Home Alone. Mom and Dad Save the World. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Hearing no black helicopters descending upon me, I realized this was unfortunately not a late-stage government mind-control operation, no. In fact, I was strapping into the ever-popular, ever-tiresome e-ticket attraction at Pete Freeman World. The star-studded cavalcade of thrills, chills, and fairly unpleasant, but so lifelike, Memories. I am a boy. God damn it, Henry. You were watching them. Look at him in there. He's completely shutting down. This was a hospital waiting room. I knew because there wasn't a single highlights for children to be found. And really, what can the timber toes add to the existential grief of being in a hospital waiting room? Hun, come on, he's okay. 
All they're going to do is help. He'll be happier. You'll be happier. Petey will be happier. They're little boys, Hank. They play. They roughhouse. Do you know how many busted lip stories the Bradfords have? And they're always laughing five minutes later. And because I'm not as good of mother as Franny Brad... Mary? No. Absolutely not. I won't let you do that. We're not sending him away. We're not giving up. Know why? Because you're not Franny Bradford. You're his mother. You're Peter's mother. If we just did a straight-up Danny and Donnie for our two, we, we might not even have time to finally wash their faces before Franny would be begging to void the trade. Jesus, Hank, what's wrong with you? They're dirty kids. You know it. I know it. Henry Jr. certainly knows it, which admittedly made July 4th a little awkward. My mom finally laughs, a laugh of relief and resignation in equal measure. I don't think it was him telling the kids to shower that upset Fran and Scott so much as it was the part about asking us to help since the parents were dirty too. <laughs> we're raising a snitch, I tell you. Hey, look, Petey's only a few years away from being old enough to take care of my mom stops laughing. Neither of my boys will ever lose a moment of their childhood because they're my boys. Do you understand me? Henry Jr. will not be hidden away in the attic. Peter will not be a visiting angel. If you're not on board, you tell me right now, and I'll quit my job and start drafting the Seeking Arrangement ad tonight. One sentence too many. One sentence too many. The next time you let WrestleMania start, we're handling it entirely at home. Do you want me to sleep on the couch? My mother can't help but smile. A little bit. Someday, Hank, you'll realize that suggesting your own punishments means they aren't punishments. Or you'll realize it's my way of ensuring I'm always next to you when I wake up. My father reaches over and squeezes my mother's hand as she sighs and reluctantly rests her head on his shoulder. I watch, and I remember. All the I'm sorry's in the world create a traffic jam in my throat, but before order can be restored, I am older. It takes me a moment to realize that I'm now in the diner, which is either an indictment on the decor of the youth psychiatric center or a compliment to Irma's. The pretty waitress asks if she can help us. Oh, I most certainly hope you can, Stephanie. Stephanie giggles. I recognize Dad's flirtiness now. Settle down, old man. I'll have a cup of black coffee and a sausage omelet, and Marvin Hagler over here wants pancakes and chocolate milk. Breakfast of champions. Thank you, miss. Stop by any time. Stephanie giggles again. You know, Pete, I can't help but feel like detention would have been a little more punitive. Dad, I didn't even deserve detention. I told Vinny if he said it again I was going to kick his ass, and I'm supposed to keep my promises. Don't do that literalist bullshit, Pete. I deal with the master every day. Yeah, and so do I, and I know he's not a retard. So I'm just supposed to let people say that? What'd Vinny say after you hit him? He cried and told me he was kidding. Vinny Parente? I nod. I play basketball with his dad. Apples, trees, all that. I chuckle. He was a charming son of a bitch. Son, P 
people are selfish. It's human nature. Whatever the most important thing in the world is to you, it doesn't matter a single lick to Vinnie Parenti, Johnny Parenti, or anyone sitting in this diner. So you can't expect them to take time out of their pursuit of whatever theirs is to avoid stepping on your toes. So I should just let people say whatever they want about my brother? Well, no. Sometimes people need to be reminded that we're all sharing the road here. What do you do then? Foul them hard next time they drive to the basket. Isn't that what I did? That principal of yours is the one who said you were in the wrong, not me. Yeah, but Mom won't agree. My father smiles and stares off into the buzzing light as if he's hearing his favorite song again. Your mom would be very proud, I think. Your mom would be happy you stood up for your brother. Because at the end of the day, you both are her thing. You think a little toe-stepping ever slowed her down? You really think so? I do indeed, son. In fact, so confident am I in thinking she'd be proud. The way I see it, mentioning it to her would be a waste of perfectly good air. I'm sure you'd agree. So we should lie to her? No, 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 Peter. Lying is wrong. We need to omit. But you just said we should omit. Not lie. Omit. An omission isn't a lie. Just a missing fact. I like it. <laughs> Some legacy I leave, huh? Oh, thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Come on, son. We have to get gas before we head home. Dad was much more formal with Stephanie this time around, as if he'd just heard his favorite song again. Before I can tease him for it, he is gone. The law says I am a man, but that seems like a strong word for it. I'm sitting on the front stoop that I've seen most every day before this moment in time and will see most every day after. My mother is smoking a Maverick Silver 100 from my half-empty pack. I quit during both of your pregnancies. Cold turkey. Well, I know the evidence is circumstantial. However, she laughs. More resignation than relief this time. Christ, you sound just like him, Peavy. Always something to say. He never quit, you know. Smoking. Tried so hard to hide it. Did you know? He once tried to convince me that he had kissed a co-worker in a moment of drunken weakness at a holiday party when I was seven months pregnant with you. What? Yep. Had to explain the smoke smell on his breath. And I cheated? Was a safer bet? I always thought Dad was smart. Oh, he was, Peter. He was. Everything was a safer bet to him than ever coming up short and supporting me and you boys. God, he loved us. And I loved him. The two years he had me as a wife were wonderful. And then... Well, being your mother doesn't leave much time for being a wife, now does it? Being my mother? Do I need to go tell Hank you called Godzilla a giant dinosaur again? Hank? Hank was easy. You? You were just enough like your father, and just enough like your mother, to be the biggest scutch you ever lived. I put my arm around her, 
she rests her head on my shoulder without hesitation. Well, I think old dad probably needed a mother more than a wife, wouldn't you say? <laughs> you have a point. You know, Ma, I've been thinking maybe I'll stick here for a bit. I already talked to Coop. He thinks he could find a roommate in no time. Her head snaps up. Absolutely not, Peter Freeman. Absolutely not. Ma, come on, just a few weeks. It's going to be pretty empty here with just you and Hank once all of Dad's family heads home. It might be helpful to have another set of hands. Young man, I am very much looking forward to sharing my house with just one of my children rather than two and a half. You call Adam, you tell him you're still in, and that you were crazy for suggesting otherwise. Tell him it's my fault. Lord knows he's heard that before. But your father and I worked as hard as we did so that both of you boys could have the most normal lives possible. Dad being gone doesn't change anything about that. Listen to me. I'm okay. Hank's okay. You're free, my Petey. I love you so much. She kisses my forehead. I make my way inside. If you get married again, I'm not calling him dad. Unless he's rich. If he's rich, I'll swallow my pride. But I, I don't want him coaching my teams. Good night, Peter Freeman. Good night, mother. I walk upstairs to the room I'm still sitting in. There is a crash, just like there will be every night at this time going forward. I am alone. I am at the funeral home. The mortician is showing me caskets. I am alone. I am standing in front of the most economical yet tasteful of the caskets. A man is shaking my hand. He's my mother's Uncle Dean, which he has just finished telling me for the 75th time. He is sorry. I am alone. I am signing papers in a sterile office. The man in the suit shakes my hand and exits. I am alone. The ride ends. And I am anything but.